welcome everyone to the episode 5 of the GI Health Podcast. Now you've been waiting for this for a couple of weeks already, as far as I can tell. I gave you an update recently just on the SoundCloud and other podcast networks. Is that I have been away for a week. I've decided to travel with my family because I just had this week off. And then obviously the place that I work with decided that we have to make up for this week. And I have to work for three weeks without days off. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I have to do what I have to do, right? And as much as I feel tired and all other stuff, I still enjoy doing what I'm doing. And I hope that the information that you're getting from this podcast is actually helping you to overcome your digestive issues, GERD and other stuff. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about finally the treatment for GERD. In the previous episode, we were talking about different kinds of Uh, symptoms and also the causes of what is actually causing the GERD but as far as you probably hopefully I'm not going to repeat the whole thing all over again understood is that the GERD mostly occurs because of low stomach acid not high stomach acid but low stomach acid if you have not known about this before then please go back and listen to the previous episode 4 and you will know exactly the the thing that I'm talking about but in this case we're going to be talking about GERD treatment that has to do with the low stomach acid and as well as bacterial disbalance I hope that everything that I'm going to tell you about the treatment in this episode we can cover it in one episode maybe maybe but I don't really want to do it. I have to split it into two episodes, but I don't really want to do that. I want to give you everything that you need to know at the same time. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a bit worried that you might be overwhelmed by the amount of information. That's why I'm going to post the same thing on the website so you can actually look into things and see what you think might be suitable for you. Now, remember, I'm pulling this all information from three different sources. One from one specialist, second specialist, who specialize in the treatment of GERD and other gastrointestinal disorders in a non-traditional way. And by non-traditional way, I mean a medicine. They're not using the traditional medicine that you're going to find in your doctors and get prescribed for the rest of your life and things like that. They're actually, actually working on eliminating this whole thing altogether, which is exactly what you want. Why else would you spend money for the rest of your life on the treatment that doesn't really benefit you, actually makes you feel worse in the long run and it ruins your life in the end. So one thing I want to tell you is that no one recipe that works for all, you need to remember that. And it's the same thing with every single person, right? I cannot give you one recipe saying like, okay, take this and this and this, and it's going to work for you. It's going to treat your gut. You're going to be fine. Different people react different to different treatments, right? So in this case, what I suggest you to do is take a note of everything that you hear, everything that you read, and then start slowly and see how you react to every single one of those things, right? Obviously, you need to go and maybe have a consultation with your specialist. But in this case, like in my case, nobody really wanted to give a care about whatever I was talking about, because that's not the way it's supposed to be treated, right? So start slowly, start with simple things, because everything in one go is too much. You know, you have dietary supplements, you have a diet, you have to adjust your diet, you have to take out carbohydrates, not all of them, but at least some of them, you have to take out sugars and, and processed food and things like that. It's, it's too much for for a person to do all in one go and even I haven't done it in all in one go and I'm still not doing it in one go but I reached the point where I think that it's good but then I'm starting to think is it actually good enough 
because I don't really want to maintain this thing for the rest of my life. Maybe I should at least spend like six months to a year with the whole thing, no matter how hard it's going to be. And actually, after that, I won't require any other supplements and things like that, at least for two or three years. I don't know, maybe never. But this is a thing you have to remember as well, right? It's it's the things that you need to take it slow, right? It's not going to happen overnight. You're not just going to wake up tomorrow after listening to this episode and trying the treatment and say, oh my God, my GERD is gone or my acid reflux is gone on things like that. No, of course not. It doesn't happen like that. You've been doing a damage over the long period of time. So it's not just going to be overnight treatment and then you're feeling fine. But as in my case, I've been on the antacid medicine for the last five to seven years, I guess. Five to seven years. Yeah, about that. I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but it doesn't really matter. What does matter is that even using apple cider vinegar, the one that I told you, the unrefined one, right? The one that has not been filtered or refined is the kind of apple cider vinegar that when you look at the label, you actually see something that is written there called with the mother of the vinegar or just with the mother. And the mother in this case means the probiotics, the probiotics. That's what happens during the fermentation process is that different kinds of bacteria, beneficial bacteria starts to brew. And this is the stuff that you need to repopulate your digestive tract after everything that has been going through. But when it's refined and filtered, none of that stuff is there. So you're just consuming vinegar with water and that's it. And I've noticed that by myself because on the second time, my wife couldn't get a hold of the one that I was usually using. And she just bought me a Heinz refined filtered apple cider vinegar. And apart from eliminating my GERD, but at the same time, not making me feel that much better, sometimes even causing diarrhea, I was like, no, nah, this is not good. This is not right. When I went to Bangkok during my holiday, I went to the, like a supermarket that has a lot of imported products. And I bought one of these vinegars from New Zealand. Really good stuff. It's obviously with the mother of vinegar and with all the beneficial bacteria. So I actually started taking it. And the difference between that one and the one that I was using before was just night and day, night and day. Not only did I feel better, I had no diarrhea, I had no GERD, I had nothing. I just, I felt great. I felt every time if I wake up, from having like five hours of sleep, I drank a glass and I felt great. I felt like not super energetic, but I felt more alert, more awake, more clear in my mind. And this is the thing that I actually recommend you to try. This is one of the easiest and the best things you can possibly get. But anyway, now let's get down to GERD and acid reflux treatment, the treatment that you need to get your life back on track. And that also will help people with IBS because that is very, very closely related to the irritable bowel syndrome. And if you, like me, have been running to the toilet after every meal or every time in the morning, five, six times a day, then you should listen to this because this will definitely put you on the right track to your recovery. So let's go and look at the treatments that is available today that you might not be aware of. One more thing that I just want to remind you, right? Remind all of you is that what causes heartburn is we talked about last episode, right? But there's also things that you need to consider before we go further is that there are two other reasons why you might have a heartburn. One is that you might have something called hiatinal hernia. And this is basically where the part of your stomach get lodged into your esophagus and it won't 
close and open properly well it will be open most of the time but it won't close properly and that's the thing that i actually have which surprisingly in the last three years i've done my endoscope about three times four no actually five times never had this issue but then the last year i've done it and they said boom you have a hiatal hernia what should i do well as long as it doesn't bother you keep taking antacids and stuff like that and i was like mm, no it doesn't work like that what else Surgical treatment. I don't want to go for that. I already had my gallbladder removed. I don't want to get myself opened again. Even though it's laparoscopic surgery, doesn't matter. This surgery is very new and it's got a lot of drawbacks. Basically, you can have yourself stuck in a problem where you can't swallow the food properly. And this is not what I want. So for now, I got it under control and it's fine. It doesn't cause me too much discomfort. But we'll see how it goes i mean from the endoscope procedure it looks very simple you just push it back in and that's it but to the surgeons and other doctors no it's not that easy you have to actually push it back in and then wrap it around your esophagus to strengthen it and stuff like that this is not something i want to do and the other cause by h pyroli bacteria that i told you before and this is something you really have to test yourself for as soon as that bacteria starts to develop in your stomach, which happens after food poisonings and happens with the, when you have a low stomach acid for a really, really long time, what you need to do is just get yourself tested for that. It's pretty easy. I mean, it's not, I don't know how common it is. You know, the doctor suspected me for the last seven years and they've tested it like five or six times and they never found it. But when you do have this bacteria, it actually prevents your stomach from producing acid. So that, that is the main culprit in this thing. Also, you need to be aware of other things. Are you taking any drugs? Are you taking any drugs? And I'm not talking about drugs like cocaine and heroin and ecstasy and things like that. No, I'm talking about to you about the drugs, the medication that you're taking, maybe the over-the-counter medication. What else can cause GERD and other things is the most common anti-anxiety medication which i've tried for about a week but i've managed to deal with my anxiety by my own if you want to hear about that email me and i'll explain the whole thing to you how to go about it so anti-anxiety drugs like xanax valium um lorazepam things like that antibiotics obviously right the worst one of the worst antibiotics for your stomach would be uh, penicillin style antibiotics like amoxicillin or amoxiclav with clavulanic acid which nukes the whole stomach straight away i mean it's not gonna happen overnight but it will happen maybe also the blood pressure medications nitroglycerin if you're using that osteoporosis drugs and pain relievers look out for things like aspirin and ibuprofen which irritate your stomach very very much so please try to stay away from those drugs as much as possible, right? Avoid taking more than the recommended dose that the doctor prescribes you unless it's really, really necessary. Some medication obviously is supposed to be taken on empty stomach while others are less likely to cause any kind of side effects when you take them after meal. Also ask your pharmacist just to review or the doctor just to review all the drugs and supplements that you're taking, though most of the time they don't give you advice on the supplements that you're taking. And maybe you need to switch the dose and change the dose, but it's, it's all entirely up to you. This is not something I can really give you advice on what you're taking, how much you're taking. If you have a problem with anxiety, CBT for me work wonders combined with other like relaxation therapies and stuff like that. Because 
the only thing that anti-anxiety medicine does for you is just is just suppressing it but it doesn't solve the issue so you're never getting rid of it so as soon as you stop the medication which is like antacid keeps you going for the rest of your life and trust me i have been i'm a journalist i have been to the groups with people who are withdrawing from alcohol withdrawing from heroin withdrawing from cocaine and one of the most severe withdrawals that i've ever seen in my life was antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs like xanax and valium and things like that it was just insane even the people who took everything in their life and been dependent on every single drug that you can possibly think of said that anti-anxiety drugs are the worst drug to go through in the withdrawal anyway we're not going to be talking about that anymore okay so let's go to the treatments right now as I told you before, the proton pump inhibitors are actually causing dependence. The more you take them, the, the more you need them. The, the dose has to increase because your stomach tries to secrete more and more acid naturally, but you keep suppressing it and it stops working. And if you forget your dose and things like that, it just, it just like a volcano, it goes out of control, right? And also it promotes the growth of bad bacteria in your stomach. We've talked about this before. So the first line of treatment, depending on how severe your GERD is right let's say it's mild it's very mild so your first line of treatment is changing your diet and intaking more unprocessed foods and probiotics so it's basically to restore your digestion and natural gastric balance and function eating large amounts of processed foods and sugars is actually a very bad way to go about it it's actually increasing your acid reflux and upsets your stomach's bacterial balance and in also inside of your intestines as well so instead you will want to eat more vegetables and other high quality ideally organic yeah sometimes it might be difficult to find you might it more convenient to go to supermarket and things like that pick up a few things here and there make a salad spend your time on your days off go through the local grocery stores go through there like back in the uk i found so many stores that are just selling the farm produce straight from the farm and i've actually gone to the farms and looked and it's all there it's all possible to find it might even be cheaper than the supermarket but if it's not you might be paying 10 percent more but the result is just incredible it, it's so much better than buying all this crap you see in supermarket that's been sprayed with pesticides and all the other stuff so try to eat ideally organic unprocessed food and unprocessed means everywhere right everything think about refined things and sugars and things like that but unprocessed food in general and also keep a diary as i said before and try to eliminate the food that triggers your acid reflux for the first two months the common culprits for the triggers usually include the caffeine and alcohol nicotine products such as nicotine chewing gums and also smoking obviously next you also need to make sure that you have a, enough of beneficial bacteria in your digestive system right you're probably thinking that probiotics is the best way to go about it and that's true okay probiotics are there you can buy them buy the ones that have at least five billion of probiotic beneficial bacteria in a capsule make sure they're always refrigerated don't keep them in the, in the heat because they will just stay out uh, they'll get spoiled and at the same time make sure that 
you don't read too much into that crap on the internet. When you go to a proper medical website, they always say, oh, there's not been too much research done into, into probiotic that actually help with anything. That's all bullshit. Nothing that can possibly cure any kind of disease has any kind of money poured into it because that's not good for pharmaceutical companies. Apart from probiotics that you might be taking, what you might actually want to consider is not consider, but actually take it. Fermented foods are rich in probiotics. Onions are rich in probiotics. Garlic is rich in probiotics. Leeks are rich in probiotics. You can just Google like probiotic rich food. And if you can't eat them on its own, like for me, the garlic causes too much gas overnight, right? And, and onion as well. I mean, do eat them fresh every once in a while. But if you really can't, then just just stir fry, just stir fry. Don't just obliterate it on the on the on the frying pan. Just 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 fry them just a little bit, you know, just to give them a little bit of golden color. That's it. Pull them straight out and and mix it with the food that you're gonna eat and just eat it. And that's gonna be probiotics for you. Fermented foods as I mentioned before, apple cider vinegar. With the mother of all vinegars, that's fermentation. Fermentation produces beneficial bacteria, yogurts, right? But make sure you're not lactose intolerant or anything like that. Also, kimchi. Go to a Korean restaurant, right? Kimchi, find a recipe, make it at home. Perfect stuff. Uh, pickles. Pickles are great as well. Just don't indulge too much into them because they are full of sodium, which is not good, not for your digestive tract, but it's not good for your overall health and blood pressure. So keep having things like that in your diet on a regular basis. You know, the problem, the, the thing is, the most convenient thing with the fermented food is that you can actually keep them for a long period of time, for a very long period of time in the fridge. And you just can go and go back and eat some more and more and more. A lot of people don't know that fermented foods are full of probiotics. If you can find and make safely at home homemade kefir kefir for me i'm partially russian kefir is the the drink that we used to drink since i got i don't even know when since i was like three or four years old it's it's like a sour milk thing like that it's like a liquid yogurt as i call it like a natural yogurt that thing if you can make it especially at home and not buy it from outside is Full. It's probably one of the best source of probiotics, but obviously in the case that you're not lactose intolerant. Another thing is that are rich in probiotics are also chutneys. Chutneys, right? That you can eat with cheese and other stuff that you might try before. The dairy products I already mentioned to you, like yogurts and kefir and sour cream as well. And also fish can be full of probiotics as well. Mackerel mackerel is full of probiotics you can add that into your diet not many people actually look at mackerel as a decent fish everybody usually look to salmon and and tuna swordfish and monkfish also if you know how to make a swedish gravel axe you can find a recipe on that it usually acquires gin or vodka also a lot of dill to marinate the salmon for a couple of days with salt that is full of probiotics as well so you can include that into your diet as well point number two so addressing the low acid problem okay before we go into a medical field of how you can do it by actually medical supplements which do exist told you about them they're called hydrochloric acid in this case you can actually try to do it in a natural way there are some 
ways you can increase the, the, the stomach acid production by using a high quality sea salt in your cooking or in the water that you drink sometimes, maybe a little bit, you just add and stir it and drink it. Unprocessed sea salt is a good way of that. If you can find such thing as Himalayan salt, that is a perfect thing. It will not only provide you with the chloride that your body needs to produce the hyaluronic acid, it also contains a lot of different minerals that your body needs to perform optimally. Like German food, try sauerkraut or a cabbage, right? Cabbage juice that you actually get from that is full of probiotics and as well that stimulates your body to produce stomach acid that is necessary for digestion and eliminating bad bacteria. Having, for example, if you have a sauerkraut, right? You have a juice inside of a can, have a few tablespoons or like maybe one or two tablespoons or a few teaspoons just before you eat. 15 to 20 minutes will provide you with necessary stuff needed to produce more acid in your stomach. Now, if we look into the other fields where you can get more supplement to correct that disbalance, I'm going to be also listing to you about 10 to 15 different heartburn remedies, natural remedies that are available in the market and you can get them anywhere. But this case, as I told you before, go slowly and start looking at things. Maybe if one doesn't work, you substitute it for another one. So this one's 15 to 10 to 15 different medicines that I'm going to recommend it to you is starting one raw apple cider vinegar, as I told you before, with the acid reflux, perfect cure with having too little acid. Very easy to improve an acid content in your stomach by taking one tablespoon of raw apple cider vinegar in a large glass of water as I do every day. Betaine, B-E-T-A-I-N-E. That's another option to take betaine, hydrochloric supplement, which is available in the health food stores without any prescriptions, which is pretty much like a hydrochloric acid. You want to take as many as you need to get the slight burning sensation in your stomach and then decrease by one capsule. So for example, if you start with that hydrochloric acid supplement, right? You start, let's say, taking one, two, three, you feel fine, four, and then you start to feel a slight burning sensation. Kick up that dose for a couple of days and then start to decrease by one capsule. This will help your body to better digest the food and it will kill the H. pylori bacteria if you have one. Baking soda is another thing, but the thing is baking soda is like a urgent remedy. If you ate something and your acid reflux is just out of control and things like that, take one half, maybe even one full teaspoon of baking soda, mix it with a huge glass of water and just drink it and that will help to neutralize acid. But that only in emergencies, right? When you really, really need it. Aloe juice. Now, everybody heard about aloe vera, right? Helping with skin, helping with burnt and things like that. If you can get the juice, you can find it in the local supermarkets or maybe even in some grocery stores. You can make one yourself. The juice actually helps to reduce inflammation in your stomach and it actually eases the acid reflux as well. You can drink about like half a cup of a juice before meals if you want to obviously avoid the laxative effect because if you drink too much of that stuff it starts to work like laxative and you start running to the toilet so please take care of that just start slowly like a few sips before every meal will be great now the thing that i posted on my website before is 
ginger root. Ginger root is amazing. It's got so many properties extending beyond acid reflux and GERD. This is the thing you should be no, you should know about this. This is like universal remedies, like apple cider vinegar. And it's not only helping in digestive things. So take ginger root. Don't buy the powder crap that you can find in all those stores. Just buy a proper ginger root, which is not that expensive. Even if it's a little bit expensive, just buy the thing because it'll be enough for a whole week if it's big enough. Peel it, slice it boil it don't just put it in a cup with the hot water boil it because the more you boil it the more you extract all the good stuff that needs that, that your body needs and drink it i mean the ginger has been found to have a gastroproductive effect you know by blocking acid from suppressing the the actual bacteria the h pyroli bacteria that was back in 2007 i read this study about two weeks ago and i was actually quite surprised because i do drink ginger root tea very very often myself and i actually made a video for you to see which i'm going to be posting after this podcast it is also much more superior to the hardcore medicine like lansoprazole that i used to take for preventing the ulcers from opening or even forming i mean it's exhibiting six to eight fold greater potency than that drug and that's in clinical studies i mean it's not really surprising considering all the facts you know, that the ginger root has been traditionally used against the gastric disturbances since 2000 year BC in ancient China. So there again, a couple of four or five slices of fresh ginger in, boil it for a few minutes, get all that stuff out. And then if you want, if it's too, too much for you to drink, because I like mine strong, I'll, I'll slice half of the ginger root in there. I mean, I got used to it over the time, doesn't do anything for me. But if it's too much for you for the taste then please just add a dash of lime and maybe, 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 I don't advise this, but a dash of, of honey. Because honey is full of sugar. That's not something you want to supplement sugar to, to the bacteria, to the bad bacteria that's actually growing in your stomach. Vitamin D is another important thing in, in combating your acid reflux. Once the vitamin D level is actually optimized, you know, and the production of vitamin D increases the production of antimicrobial, Peptides are actually killing all the bad bacteria and infections that are in your body. So you can take the supplement for the vitamin D. Now, the other thing, I'm not even sure. This is something that I found from the internet. I've actually been trying it for the last two months and it, it, it's been doing good. It's something, something called astaxanthin or A-S-T-A-X-A-N-T-I-H-A-N. This is actually an antioxidant, right? That's something that you can find in the teas like that, but it's a much greater quantities when you're actually taking as a supplement. It's found to reduce the symptoms of acid reflux in patients compared to the ones that are actually given the placebo or given the medicine. It actually does work. And particularly, it works in people who actually have a H. pyroli bacteria again. So the best results, as far as I could found, were obtained when your daily dose is about 40 milligrams a day. Now, the next thing we're going to be talking about is glutamine. Um, the research, as far as I could dig up, it was published in 2009, found the gastrointestinal damage by, for example, the H. pyroli bacteria can be addressed with the amino acid glutamine found in many foods such as beef, uh, chicken, fish, eggs, and dairy products. And even some fruits and vegetables well containing the L-glutamine, the biologically active insomer of glutamine. 
which is also available as a supplement. If you haven't come to cross that, then go for it. But at the same time, like I told you that it's available in beef, chicken, fish, eggs, doesn't mean just go overboard with like, especially beef and pork and things like that. Even pork is not including that. Like try to cut down your intake of, of red meat to a minimum. Go for chicken and fish fruits and vegetables as well that will be more than enough another thing is the folic acid a lot of women who've been pregnant breastfeeding and things like that they'll be familiar with this stuff the folic acid and as reported by the clinical nutritionist before and the research suggests that the b vitamins can reduce the risk of acid reflux in general intake of the higher levels of folic acid was also reduced by 40 percent in in the studied group so that also tells you that folic acid is beneficial for treating the acid reflux give it a try as well i mean if you can or you cannot as i said not all of that at the same time but try to look into things that will be going for you for a couple of weeks and then you're feeling better you want to introduce something new go for it so you feel a bit worse take something out change it change it to something else because there's also an alternative for anything to be honest now the last but not least there is another herb that you should probably know of it's called slippery elm slippery elm e-l-m slippery elm what it does it acts quite similar to the medicine that you would call mm, there is a medicine it's an antacid, sort of antacid. What it does is actually coats your stomach in a protective layer. So what it does is actually coats and soothes the mouth and the throat and the stomach and intestines in, in special antioxidants that can help actually people with inflammatory bowel conditions as well. It also similarizes the nerve endings into your gastrointestinal tract to work harder and better to make sure that all the food is being digested and it gets moved appropriately through your gastrointestinal tract. And it also reduces ulcers and excess acidity as well as the gas. Back in 2009, the University of Maryland Medical Center actually came to the conclusion that it does actually produce the effects and all those things that I said before. You can take it in several forms. For example, if you take it as a tea, you can just boil the leaves of that plant and pour two cups of boiling water over four grams or about two three tablespoons if you want to powder it then you can go for that you can what you can do is just powder those those leaves and and put them there and just and just pour the hot water over them you know just sip it throughout the day three or five times a day you can also buy capsules if you buy capsules then as far as i i know but you should always consider your specialist the capsules go four to five milligrams three to four times daily for about four to eight weeks would take it with water obviously and and see how you feel after that they also have a form of londons you know the one that you actually uh it's like a candy that you can dissolve i don't know the dosage for that it's something you actually have to look under the label but i would suggest you like if you have it fresh you can always grow it yourself you can always buy the seeds online just plant it and grow it yourself and and see how it goes from there drink it bit by bit and see how you feel 
Now, last but not least, there is also a Chinese medicine, and this is something that I have very, very, very little knowledge of. And I'm actually, actually, that 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 is the field that I'm planning to expand on in the nearest episodes because I'm working in a university, and this university specializes in the Chinese herbal treatment as well. And one of the professors that I was working there at the moment is actually away for a year to finish up their studies in the PhD field in the Chinese medicine. And as soon as she gets back, which is supposed to be around April, uh, I'm planning not only to actually give you an interview with that person, you know, audio, obviously, but I'm also planning to create a series of videos that I'm going to upload to the website that you or YouTube in that matter that you can actually see how and what is done. But from my knowledge, I mean, you can never discard any kind of therapy unless you have tried it for several, several times and then it doesn't work for you. I mean, I've tried acupuncture, for example, for a couple of times from the same doctor and actually helped immensely with my back pain and the lower back pain as well that I had from exercises and other things. So I would suggest you to try it before you discard it. Now, this is something that I can't give you advice on. The only thing that I can remember is there are Chinese herbs that you can actually go to the to the proper doctor, the Chinese doctor. It's used for the treatment of something they called gu, like G-U, literally just G-U. That was it means there's a symptom of chronic inflammatory diseases. And I've actually tried that myself, to be honest, like back when I first came to Thailand, my wife, or well, at the time girlfriend, took me to a Chinese doctor who I thought at the first was just a hoax. The only thing he did, he just took my hand and, and just waited for like a minute or two and then told me, yeah, you have a problem with your gastrointestinal issues. And I said, well, not so much, but he said, yeah, it's going to bother you sooner or later. And he prescribed me like a just loads of herbs that I had to boil and then cool it down and drink it. And he told me, drink it like on an empty stomach and especially take a like precaution not to drink anything cold after that for a couple of days. And to be honest, like I never believed that stuff and I didn't really have that many gastrointestinal issues at that time. But what I did notice from that is that I felt great. I felt amazed by just the energy that I was putting out, I felt like I was about 12 years old again. And at that time, I was about 24 years old. And I really, really felt good, like for days and weeks on end, even though I didn't have to drink it every single day. But what I've noticed that is like the energy levels were just off the charts and I didn't have any kind of problems, not GERD, no nothing, nothing at all. Until obviously, Sooner or later, I started going out, partying, drinking, things like that, and I just gave up on the whole thing. But what I tell you is that it's worth trying. It's worth trying. It might not work for someone else. It might work for you. It might work for everyone. I don't know. Something that you actually have to experience and try yourself. And I'm planning to give it a go as well soon. So there you go. That's the basic coverage of the treatments here. So now, in this part two, we're going to switch to a second part where we actually discuss non-natural treatments and medications and other things that you can possibly take 
to get rid yourself of GERD and acid reflux. So in this part, we're actually going to be talking about something a little bit different. Um, we're going to be talking about treating GERD as well without any drugs in this time. When, when we go to the next part, there will be drugs. But I think this is something you also really want to know. So I came across this article back in 2010 and I started researching and trying it myself. And this is actually one of the one of the actual articles that helped me a lot to establish what was wrong and how I was going about it and what did I need to do to actually change things. So in this article, we're going to be talking about the three main steps that you need to take. And they're all both called three R's, R's, like letter R's, right? One is called reduce which consists of reducing the factors that promote bacterial overgrowth and low stomach acid second part consists of the word replace so obviously you need to replace things replace things like stomach acid if you don't have enough of it enzymes that are necessary for digestion nutrients such as pancreatic and other enzymes digestive enzymes that aid in the digestion and are necessary for your health and the final step is obviously going to be to restore the beneficial bacteria and enzymes and other things that are necessary to promote their gastrointestinal health and also protect and create a new mucosal lining in your stomach because that what, what what's that is actually what protects your stomach from all the other stuff that is not needed there i apologize for any kind of background noise if you can hear something that's just because the settings has changed a little bit since i recorded last part anyway so let's take a look at the things you need to consider with the second method so the first thing you need to consider is the intake of carbohydrates now this is something we're going to be talking in great detail in the other episodes of how carbohydrates um, contribute to the growth and overgrowth of bad bacteria but basically in short is carbohydrates feed the bad bacteria refined sugars and things like that as well and obviously if you have a problem in your gastrointestinal tract and your digestion is very bad a lot of time what will happen is that it's like it will start to ferment you know and you'll have a lot of gas and other things. So, I mean, basically, remember that a lot of carbohydrates is not good because it actually promotes the overgrowth of bad bacteria. And also, in particular, if you have an H. pylori, that's going to contribute to it continued development, which also causes you to have a low stomach acid. That's what that bacteria does. Um, things like yeast overgrowth is the same thing. It reduces your acid production. So... What you need to do is try to limit your carbohydrate intakes as, uh, as much as possible, right? Try to eat only what is necessary. Don't indulge into things that you think you don't need or won't be good for you. So, I mean, there was a few studies performed by the Professor Yancey uh, at the Duke University, and they had a few patients with GERD and other medical conditions, such as diabetes and things like that. But a lot of them actually failed in traditional treatment of GERD but responded very well by limiting the carbohydrate intake um, taking out some things that were not necessary and actually were contributing to their GERD and other symptoms or digestion they had the result was quite good actually responded to this treatment very well and it contributed to their recovery in the long term um, so what I'll do is I'll link a PDF file um, with the su second study that was done by this 
uh, professor and I'll put it up on the website so if you want you can read that in a free time when you have now I obviously don't say that you should limit I mean you should completely eliminate the carbohydrates no of course not it's probably going to be very difficult if you can do that go for it that will be great if you can't then try to limit it take a look at the things that you eat and then you start feeling weird your gerd gets worse and things like that so um, try to get those out of your diet it doesn't need to happen for the rest of your life just for a couple of months one or two months should be more than enough to see what exactly contributes to the problem and there's also a lot of specific carbohydrates diet i mean there is literally one called specific carbohydrate diet you can google it and see what that is um, there's also the gaps diet and there's also a food map diet so you can take a look at those and see which one will fit you more which one will you will react to better because i don't want to spend the whole episodes talking about each specific diet i'll leave that for another time so give those a try and see how you feel obviously nothing has to be done all at the same time start with one thing and slowly 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 change and don't forget to keep a diary of all the things that diary sorry of all the things that you eat and how you react to it now before we talked about the treatment of GERD with the all natural stuff right so i told you there's going to be another one and this is the one that we're switching to right now at the 45 minute mark before editing obviously is basically a proper treatment that some kind of medication and supplement can actually help you with so first is the HCL, hydrochloric acid, with pepsin or pepsin, whatever you want to call it. So if you have a doctor that is open to suggestion, is open-minded, and the one that is actually aware about the connection between low stomach acid production and GERD, you can ask him or her to test your acid levels or just straight prescribe you that, that supplement. Sometimes you might be able to find it on the internet and maybe some kind of pharmacy or something like that. So if you do get yourself tested for a low stomach acid, the test is quite simple. It's just called a Heidelberg capsule. Some, it's like a capsule that has a pH sensors in it and it transmits the radio signal. So you just swallow it and it will start checking the, the acid levels in your stomach. So the report that doctors write, Tahoma Clinic, actually showed that in 90% of the people with mild to moderate heartburn um, and GERD cases, 90% of the people result was that they had a low stomach acid production and they managed to eliminate GERD completely by increasing the acid production with hydrochloric supplement um, is almost always successful according to the report. Now, to be honest, it's not always necessary to test the, the acid in such a method as I described before. What you can actually do is actually test it at home by yourself. To do this, what you need to do is pick up some hydrochloric HCL capsules that contain pepsin or acid-stable proteins. And also, you need to know that HCL should always be taken with pepsin or acid-stable proteins because... If it's likely that your stomach is not producing enough of hydrochloric acid, it's most likely not producing enough protein and digestive enzymes. One very important thing you need to remember that hydrochloric acid supplements should never be taken, right, by anyone who is using any kind of anti-inflammatory medication such as corticosteroids, um, presidone, aspirin, ibuprofen, and things like that, or other 
non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs because these drugs by themselves can damage the, the gastrointestinal lightning that supplementary hydrochloric acid might aggravate, increasing the risk of gastric ulcers or bleeding. So please be careful with that. To minimize the effect and side effects, start with one 650 milligrams capsule of HCL with pepsin in the early part of each meal before you eat. If there are known problems after two or three days, increase the dose to two capsules at the beginning of each meal. Then after another day or two, increase to three capsules. Increase the dosage gradually until you start feeling a mild burning sensation in your stomach. At that point, what you need to do is to reduce the dosage to the previous number of capsules that you were taking before you started experiencing burning and stay at that dose. Over the time, you may find that you can continue to reduce the dosage or you may also find that you may need to increase the dosage depending on how you feel. Now, according to the report, again, from Dr. Wright's clinic, uh, most patients ended up at the dose of five to seven capsules. But to be honest, as far as I read in the comments and other things on the threads online, that's way too much. Like some people even experienced the burning sensation with a single 650 milligrams capsule. What I did also found um, interesting is that the addition of um, cholelogous um, agents that promote bile flow from the gallbladder into the small intestine can actually help also produce pancreatic enzyme and that helps in the initial stages with this treatment. Um, what kind of a supplements is that? I actually mentioned that in the previous episode 3 and episode 4 so you should go back to that one and listen to it if you want to know in a better detail. So connecting that to the first part of this podcast, if you don't want to use the HCL capsules, you can go for apple cider vinegar, unrefined and filtered uh, organic apple cider vinegar with on the label, look for the mother of vinegar contains probiotics and things like that is also what you need. Another way, natural way to increase the acid production and also um, digestive enzymes is to eat bitters. I mean, that's been used in traditional cultures for thousands of years to stimulate and improve digestion. Even uh, recent studies have shown and confirmed that the ability of bitters to increase the flow of digestive juices, including HCL, bile, pepsin, gastrin, and pancreatic enzymes. It's actually unsurprising that there are many clinical studies that evaluated the therapeutic potential, you know, and proved that bitters actually improve digestion and calm the stomach down and the whole digestive tract. A high percentage of doctors in a German study uh, prescribe herbal medicine, gentle root capsules, and that provided a very good relief um, of people with gastrointestinal issues. So, for example, there is a, a list of herbs commonly used in Western and Chinese medicine for this exact purpose. And these include barberry bark, caraway, dandelion, fennel. Fennel tea is actually quite nice. I used to drink that myself back in the UK. Um, gentile root, ginger. Ginger is great. Fresh ginger root sliced and boiled like tea. Um, globe artichoke, Galician root, hops, milk thristle. That is also very beneficial for liver if you're suffering from any kind of liver diseases or anything like that. That's, that's the perfect medication for that. Peppermint, fresh peppermint, peppermint tea, uh, wormwood and yellow dock. 
you you can also resort to um, food uh, bitters, not only the herbal supplements which you can buy online. Obviously, you can also go for kale in your diet, dark chocolate, coffee. I wouldn't recommend not with GERD. Uh, dill, sesame seeds, dandelion, as I mentioned before, horseradish, watercress, parsley, radish, aloe, um, cilantro. That's about it, I think, from what I can remember. If you decide to go from the first part that I mentioned, the whole list of different herbs and things, I usually take it in a very small dose. It's just enough to, to, to give you this strong taste of bitterness. Um, for example, a Western herbalist suggests 5 to 10 drops of in a ratio of 1 to 5 tincture of the above herbs taken with 20 milliliters of water. But I would actually try first to go with the diet that includes the foods that I mentioned to you. Another couple of remedies that can help you, as I said before, apple cider vinegar, can't stress that enough, lemon juice, raw, unpasteurized sauerkraut. You can probably find somewhere where you can buy that in a German, maybe restaurant, and you can make it yourself as well. Pickles, now that's actually about it. It says it's a traditional things that have been used for centuries to relieve the symptoms of heartburn and GERD. I mean, although these remedies may resolve symptoms, they don't increase um, the nutri nutrient absorption and assimilation to the extent that the HCL supplements do. So try that, see how that works. If it's not very effective, go for it. Buy HCL capsule with pepsin. Uh, these are very easy. I just checked. You can find them in many herbal medication stores and pharmacies and, I don't know, over-the-counter. Now, the final stage here in this kind of a treatment would be if you've been taking acid-suppressing medicine for years, like me, it may be necessary to replace the nutrients that were not absorbed without sufficient stomach acid. This usually includes the vitamins B6 and B12, folic acid, calcium and iron and zinc. I mean, it's best to get yourself obviously tested with a blood test to see if if you actually need any of those things but maybe in moderation just to see how you feel you can replace them through nutritional changes or maybe with supplementation obviously next going to probiotics now probiotics you've heard a lot about and if you come to your doctor and you ask if probiotics are effective they'll tell you not enough study has been made and probably there's not been anything to prove that it's actually beneficial for you and i call bullshit on that um, anything that's supposed to be naturally good for you and easy to get seems to be uh, not effective according to the doctors or at least it's not profitable for pharmaceutical companies so because of the bacterial overgrowth um, and the it plays a major factor in the heartburn and GERD restoring a healthy balance in your digestive tract is an important part of the treatment along with obviously performing several other functions essential to digestive health the beneficial bacteria or probiotics protect against potential pathogens right that can actually make you sick or bring down the immunity there's been several researches already done uh, with probiotics and, for example, one research in Australia, linked that to the website, suggests that probiotics are effective in reducing bacterial overgrowth and altering fermentation patterns in the small bowel in patients with IBS. So basically what it means is that when you have a bacterial overgrowth and you're suffering from IBS, you have a diarrhea, things like that, a lot of gas. As soon as you get, for example, complex carbs into your digestive tract, it starts to ferment in there and it's causing to feed more 
bacteria and produce a lot of gas, thus causing the bloating and the diarrhea and abdominal cramps, as well as increasing intra-abdominal pressure and aggravating GERD and acid reflux. Probiotics have been also effective in treating Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and other digestive conditions. It's also been shown to significantly increase the cure rate of treatment for H. pyroli bacteria. So usually when you get treated, they'll give you an antimicrobial antibiotic and also probiotics with that just to make sure that you replace all the bacteria that has been killed off with antibiotics. So now you're probably wondering what kind of probiotics are actually effective. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that the first line of probiotics should always come from food in your diet. And if you might not be aware, I spoke about it on the earlier podcast episodes, what kind of foods contain probiotics. So those include fermented foods, um, yogurts and kefir. Actually, which is contrary to the popular belief and the marketing of commercial probiotics by manufacturers and big companies, things like homemade kefir and homemade yogurt actually contains much higher concentration of beneficial bacteria rather than the supplements you can buy off the shelf. So in addition to that, you can still get yourself a supplement of probiotics. I recommend to get the one that has the mixture of several different kinds of probiotics and contains at least 5 billion um, organisms per capsule. Store them in your fridge. Make sure they're not sitting somewhere in the heat because they just they lose their effectiveness straight away. I mean, I'm personally planning to start making kefir myself because in comparison, if you have like one of the best probiotics contains 5 billion um, microorganisms per capsule, a glass of kefir, homemade kefir, can contain anywhere up to 5 trillion beneficial bacteria. You also need to remember that there are some very new type of uh, probiotics on the market right now that have special capsules that won't dissolve in your stomach, but actually go all the way to your small intestine and dissolve there. And that's very expensive, but very effective on the other hand. Not all probiotics obviously created equal. You need to be aware of, of those that contain um, special strains of probiotics like lactobacillus acidophilus and they also produce delactic acid, which uh, makes it a poor choice for someone who is suffering with the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth because you might start to experience things like bloating and indigestion again. So just look up in the package before you buy. Now you would also want to restore your protective lining in your stomach and you can actually make that by cooking a bone broth and yes you heard that right bone broth so what you do is just uh, choose bones usually pork or beef just make a bone broth simmer it for a couple of hours to make sure it's nice and rich and concentrated and you drink that uh, one or two times a day homemade bone broth soups are effective at restoring the healthy mucosal lining in the stomach it's rich in collagen and gelatin which by the reports has been shown to benefit people with ulcers. They also contain high proline concentration. It's a, basically an amino acid that is important for the formation of collagen. And it also contains glutamine, which is also an important thing for the metabolism. It's like a metabolic fuel for intestinal cells that has been shown to benefit the gut lining, at least in animal studies in this case. And the last part, I mean, if your GERD is 
super severe and you've tried everything and nothing works from the natural treatment i would still give this a go you have nothing to lose but as i said you have everything else to gain by getting your life back at least get it under control and then move on from there you can start with small things and then listen to this podcast again write everything down if you want the notes just email me at podcast at gi-health.net um, I'll plan to post the whole transcript when I get back from the seminar of the whole podcast so you can get the most important point. But usually, when the damage has already been severely done and there's not much you can do, the only thing that, that goes after it is the surgery. And if your esophagus has been damaged, for example, a surgical procedure which is called gastroplication, which basically can be an open surgery or laparoscopic surgery. And what it does is actually repairs the LEs, the valve that actually opens and closes. If you have a hernia like me, I don't know, maybe in the future I'll have to do this kind of a procedure because my, uh, my esophagus cannot close properly because the part of the stomach stuck into it, in it. So what they do, I mean, I don't know why they did just push it back during endoscope procedure because it looks like it's fairly easy. What they actually do is, is take it out and then use a part of that stomach to wrap around esophagus, rebuilding the strength. But the side effects can be horrific when you won't be able to swallow things and there is no way to undo that. So in conclusion, I wanted to say to you that please try and consider all the options first before you actually go for this procedure. I've given you enough information in the last episode and I hopefully have given you enough information during this episode and that this can actually make a difference for you because it has been a miracle for me. It actually helped me so much and I hope it helps you and I haven't even gone through half of what I showed you. Now I came to the point when I was thinking that this is probably enough and it's going to be great like this, I can handle it, but sometimes I get setbacks if I eat or drink something that I shouldn't have, like beers and coffee, like very strong coffee, like espressos, I still get the occasional bounce of GERD, but I never have to use the medicine, I forgot the last time I took any kind of antacid, um, I don't even use things like baking soda to, to quickly neutralize the acid. So give this all a go and remember like if you want to contact me please email me don't be shy don't be scared email me at podcast at gi-health.net actually I think it was net yeah not com and you can also go to the website gi-health.net it's pretty empty right now just didn't have time to write enough information for you but I'm planning to fill at least a section full of um, interesting articles and links that you can read and obviously remember you should never give up no matter how bad you feel no matter how bad the things get don't give up keep working it it works if you work it that's how it goes isn't it so thank you very much for listening to this episode and i'll hope to see you all very soon with me again thank you very much for listening and goodbye